My name is Harsha. Um, I'd like to start by acknowledging we're gathered here on unceded occupied Coast Salish territory, Barad, Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish land. Um, and thank you to the organizers for hosting this discussion. Um, I have to admit, in terms of this debate, I know it's been going on for a week, but I've only just read all the Facebook messages and all the emails that are floating around this morning as I was uh, trying to prepare my thoughts. So I'm really frustrated and really angry, to be quite honest. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to be kind of engaging in esoteric generalizations about diversity of tactics, because I think just that very starting point is problematic, and I'll, I'll explain why. So I'll try to be as, as specific as possible um, about what happened on Saturday um, and what the organizing of that looked like so that we can be as specific as possible rather than generally making you know, huge generalizations about, about diversity of tactics. Um, I want to locate myself within this, this dialogue first. I don't personally engage in black bloc tactics, but as a longtime community organizer and as a woman of color, I want to stand in full, full and firm support of diversity of tactics and in solidarity with those who do, and particularly those who are facing police repression um, during this time. I did march on February 13th um, in the heart attack demonstration with other members of Known as Illegal, which as people know, is a collective of predominantly people of color and non-biologically male identified members, and in communication with other affinity groups, which included the Indigenous Environmental Network, some downtown Eastside elders, the Pink Clowns, two members of whom were arrested, and StopWar.ca. While I cannot speak for the personal motivations and intentions of those who engage in black bloc tactics, I think the distance that I do have from those tactics is somewhat useful in this debate. Firstly, because there's this idea that only those who engage in black bloc actions support black bloc tactics. And this is an attempt to marginalize and isolate our comrades, which I hope my presence and the presence of others here will counter. Secondly, there's a dichotomy that has been created between so-called community day-to-day -day organizing and insurrectionary actions. Critics of this past Saturday have made false digs about the lack of organizing and commitment to movement building by anarchists. I am a self-identified anarchist. There are countless examples, but one that I will provide that is current is the Olympic Tent Village because it's been thrown around a whole lot in the context of this debate. Um, as people know, the Olympic Tent Village is happening right now at 58 West Hastings on a Concord Pacific lot that's currently being leased out by Van Ock. And anarchists, self-identified anarchists, members who engage in black bloc actions have put in countless hours and by countless hours, I mean 16 hours days to contribute to the tent village. That includes graveyard shifts to do security. And this might um, be a surprise to someone, but that includes de-escalation with law enforcement, which the Black Bloc is completely capable of doing. Um, construction, cooking, and cleanup of the site under the leadership of downtown Eastside residents and elders. So I want to take a moment here to thank everyone, particularly Black Bloc and Black Bloc identified anarchists who are supporting the downtown Eastside tent village. As someone who is on the site over 20 hours a day, I can say that sadly the same cannot be said to be true of those who appear to be strategically utilizing actions like the tent city in debates about movement building. <laughs> Finally, one of the, I'm talking generally here. Finally, one of the criticisms of the black bloc tactic is that it is undertaken by predominantly white males and therefore inherently oppressive, is inherently oppressive to women of color and indigenous women in particular. As a woman of color with a myriad of precarious systemic barriers, including legal status and health, and I can only speak for myself, but I can say that the black bloc tactic does not in itself oppress me or render me more vulnerable in protest. So I'd appreciate it if other white men do not make such pronouncements on my behalf or decide what will keep me safe. And perhaps instead they can focus on their own organizational and personal patterns of dominance and privilege. 
So that being said, I want to make 10 quick points on the Black Bloc. Um, first of all, the Black Bloc is a tactic. Like any other tactic, it cannot be judged in itself, but can only be judged as part of a spectrum of a much broader movement and as part of a spectrum of tactics that we all engage in. Um, the Black Bloc has various utilities, both defensive and offensive. And I think one point that's often missed is the defensive um, strategies around the Black Bloc. As people know, a lot of Black Bloc activity, which predates the heart attack action, but going back to the 70s and 80s in Europe, includes really important actions, including de-arresting comrades and the very basic principle of no comrade left behind that we do not leave people in the police lines and decide to flee. And for that, the Black Bloc is deeply courageous. And I think the idea that they are simply testosterone-driven um, is a smear tactic that I don't, I don't think we can buy into because from my perspective, whether or not I choose to engage in Black Bloc actions and Black Bloc activities, the fact that there are comrades who are willing to stand in the front line and defend other comrades is deeply courageous and absolutely demands our support. In terms of issues just related to that, I want to quote um, Barbara Ehrenheit, who suggests that one of the biggest utilities of the Black Bloc is it really breaks the heavily ritualized nature of modern civil disobedience. And when we talk about all, you know, when we talk about tactics, we have to be able to gauge Black Bloc tactic amongst many other tactics. So the fact that other tactics may or may not be more effective does not in itself render the Black Bloc tactic any less effective. I think that's important to state. Um, because it's all been reduced to whether window smashing is effective or not. And I think that, as a starting point, is fundamentally problematic because this movement is about more than window breaking and it's also about window breaking. In terms of um, the protest tactic of, of the Black Bloc, um, I want to touch on a second point, or sorry, I want to finish on that point in terms of the Black Bloc tactic and the mask because Derek brought up specifically a point of anonymity. And I think the fact that people are anonymous is not simply um, unique to the Black Bloc. As we know, people don masks around the world, probably the most romanticized of which is the Zapatistas. Um, you know, and if we if we're going to be able to have solidarity with global struggles, we have to be under, we have to understand that the reasons for wearing a mask are the same, whether it's in Chiapas in Palestine or it's the Black Bloc on our streets. State surveillance and state policing particularly in the context of the Olympics where people have had visits by the Vancouver Integrated Security Unit, means that people need to protect themselves. To me, the Black Bloc is not anonymous. It's a tactic, and the members of the Black Bloc are people that are known to me. If people want to come down to Tent Village, you'll probably meet many of them. Um, my second point that I want to make in terms of the Black Bloc, and I won't spend much time on it because I don't think there's much debate here, and that is if the Black Bloc engages in violent tactics. And, you know, the only response that I really care to make to that is, is that we're asking the wrong side the question about violence. If we're going to talk about violence, we need to be talking about corporate sponsors, we need to be talking about the state, we need to be talking about the military, we need to be talking about the police who daily commit violence on people. And as far as we know, not a single individual and not a single animal has been harmed in black bloc tactics. What has been harmed is lifeless windows, okay? So let's be very clear about what we talk about violence before we start to perpetuate mainstream media rhetoric about violence and play into and feed into our enemy's rhetoric. The third point, um, and I've already talked about this, 
And that is that all tactics should be judged from the same starting point. And I think this is, for me, the crux of the argument. For me, it's not that black bloc tactics in specific contexts are immune from criticism. If people have criticisms about the 13th that are involved in organizing, I need water. I'm really worked up. If people have criticisms about the 13th, then let's talk about specific criticisms. But all that we have seen is a general denunciation of property destruction. And as far as I'm concerned, every tactic is immune to criticism. That includes if we're going to have mass rallies where politicians are given a free stage to speak, despite their daily obscenities and the daily violence that politicians in this government are responsible for. We can talk about the fact that, you know, symbolic rallies once a year are equally ineffective. So if we're going to talk about ineffectiveness, we need to be able to have the same starting point for every single tactic. And from everything that I've seen, we don't have these debates. I'm thankful for this debate. But the next time that there's a rally at the Vancouver Art Gallery appealing for a national housing strategy, let's talk about its effectiveness, right? Let's not condemn it. Let's talk about its effectiveness. And I think that's important to state because everything that is happening in terms of denouncing black bloc tactics relies on simplistic caricatures about what it means. All it relies on is these caricatures of white, young males who are hooded in black and go around and smash it. And black bloc tactics is so much more than that. This is a, a strategy that is part of a movement. Um, and we can't romanticize or generalize either way, right? So tactics can be effective, they can be ineffective, but inherently they are, they are neither. So in terms of the specifics of the heart attack demonstration and the black bloc in general during the convergence, um, I do think, you know, one of the points that people have made is, is that sometimes there are tactics that undermine other tactics. And I think what was really specific about this convergence, which is why I would argue Feb 13th was successful, is the fact that the black bloc has been in communication with the entire organizers of the entire convergence. Feb 12th, as people know, was explicitly called as a, an action that was inclusive. And in February 12th, let's not forget, Black Bloc was present. Let's not forget, Black Bloc members were present in the Feb 14th Memorial March. Let's not forget, as I mentioned, the Black Bloc is present at Tenth City, has been present in every action. And for those of us who are involved in organizing, we know this. We know this because we are the organizers. We know this because we are in communication. And therefore, you know, including the Memorial March, because a lot of people have... Um, have strategically kind of used the Memorial March to say that, oh, you know, we're, people are worried about the Black Bloc infiltrating the Memorial March. I'm an organizer of the Memorial March, and I can say as a member of the Memorial March Committee, we have never had issues with the Black Bloc being present at the Memorial March. The only issues, in fact, for those who are, who are guardians here all know, explicitly in our guardian sheet, we explicitly mentioned that if there was going to be any concerns about violence, it would come from police provocateurs and not from our allies in the bloc who knew and respected the protocol of the Memorial March, including not wearing face masks. So in terms of the thoughtfulness of the heart attack demonstration, um, I want to reiterate that there was many conversations and many commitments made to respect the other days of action. The front line on February 12th was held by Indigenous elders with two contingents behind them, one of which was the known as Illegal Canada as Illegal Contingent, and the contingent next to it, which was the Black Bloc. All of this was in consultation with the 2010 Welcoming Committee. The organizers of that demonstration knew this. When the Black Bloc took the front line on February 12th, that happened in consultation with the elders, two of whom explicitly told us that they were going to go to the back so the Black Bloc could take the front line and push through the police line. So before we start, you know, talking about what elders want, let's remember that they 
um, explicitly asked for the black bloc to come to the front line. Um, in terms of... In terms of Feb 13th and this idea that people were somehow endangered on February 13th, February 13th was explicitly called as a diversity of tactics. Everyone in the movement knows what a diversity of tactics means, and when you go out on the street, you know what you are engaging in. As far as I know, like I said, as someone who marched on February 13th unmasked in solidarity with Black Bloc allies, I did not feel endangered. I can't speak for everyone else, but I can speak for myself that I was happy to be there. And I was happy to see the Black Bloc doing their thing. Um, in terms of the actual demonstration on the 13th, there was various spokes councils, some of which were publicly announced for anyone who was interested in getting information about what the 13th would involve. There was public meetings and public consultations, well, consultation is not the right word, but public spokes councils, which shared information about what people could expect about the 13th. So anyone who wanted to find out that information was able to do that. Um, there was explanation of green zones. There was green zones within the February 13th. And again, um, at no point did I see the Black Bloc trying to hide under the cover of other peaceful protesters. We were out on the streets knowing what would happen. And thousands of people were not at risk on February 13th. And I think that's important to reiterate because the people who were actually arrested on February 13th have not denounced the Black Bloc. So why are other people doing that? Um, fifth point. <laughs> Only halfway through. This will go faster. Um, the argument that the Bloc is susceptible to police provocateurs. The entire movement is susceptible to police provocateurs. There's probably provocateurs in this meeting, there's informants in this meeting, and the actual police provocateurs who were outed were again, as Derek mentioned, on February 12th. Um, and those were police provocateurs who were posing as journalists. So in my opinion, the, the idea that the block should not be masked because that will make them more susceptible to police provocateurs um, isn't true. Um, and also, uh, a very clear example is what happened in Montebello, which is that when police provocateurs um, presented themselves as the Black Bloc, they were first outed by the Black Bloc. Um, six point, whether the Black Bloc tactic is effective, and I think a lot of the, um, the debate seems to focus around this, this idea of effectiveness. Um, and I, th I hope my earlier points kind of build on this point, which is the black bloc tactic cannot be judged in and of itself, right? And like any other mass movement, as Derek mentioned, you know, we have to gauge them as a long-term campaign. So if we're going to talk about the black bloc tactic, we have to talk about the black bloc tactic as part of the anti-Olympics convergence, as part of the anti-Olympic movement. And in my opinion, you can't separate those things. And as far as I know, the anti-Olympic movement as a whole, including all of its parts, has been very successful. Um, in terms of the black bloc tactic in and of itself, if we are to separate it out, I would argue that it has been effective for several reasons. Um, the first is, is that the black bloc tactic does actually help build mass movements counter to kind of this, this idea that the black bloc movement marginalizes mass movements. And I think that happens in several ways. The first is, is that there is no monopoly on the mass movement. There are a lot of people who don't engage in what is kind of the monoculture of the mass movement in symbolic protest, who find direct action to be very empowering. And from that perspective, the, the black bloc is growing, and therefore the black bloc, as part of the movement, is helping the movement grow. 
Um, second of all, corporate sponsors, in, in my experience in the past six years of anti-Olympic corp of organizing, corporate sponsors have only been mentioned in mainstream media when there has been insurrectionary attacks on them. And a lot of these have happened in Ottawa in particular and Montreal. So in terms of effectiveness, the only times that I've seen Hudson's Bay Company and Royal Bank mentioned and, is, and involved in the direct kind of um, Olympic industry has been when they have taken a hit. Um, and I think that's, that's the reality. That's, there's been no other times when those corporations have been held responsible in a public way other than when they have taken a hit. Um, in terms of whether the black bloc tactic of smashing windows is, is simply symbolic and gains nothing, well again, you know, back to the earlier point, a whole lot of our protests are often symbolic. So we can sit here and have a back and forth about whether it's simply symbolic or effective, but as part of a larger movement, it's certainly effective. Um, I would also argue two other points, which is, is that black bloc tactics actually help open up space for more mainstream tactics to have to take place. And that's something that I cannot emphasize enough. I would argue that the success of the Memorial March and the success of the Tent City, at least in part, was due to Saturday, Feb 13th. And the reason for that is several fold. One is, is that law enforcement, because they create a good protester, bad protester divide, have been largely absent from the tent city because they know and they want to play up the idea that Feb 13th is the bad protesters and we're going to let these other spaces go. Um, and so I can without a doubt say one of the successes of the tent village has been the fact that Saturday, Feb 13th opened up a space for that to happen. Um, also, you know, this, the idea that we've lost credibility in mainstream media, um, Part of, you know, for what that's worth, not that we ever had any to begin with, but for, for what it's worth, the mainstream media plays into good protester, bad protester. And again, part of the reason the Tent Village has gone positive mainstream media is their own spin, not our spin, but their own spin, that this is a peaceful Tent Village that should be defended and should be supported. So I would argue that black bloc tactics absolutely do help build a broader movement and absolutely do help build a space for various other tactics to take place, and they don't exist in isolation of them. A point on the mass movement, and this is kind of an obvious one, beyond that, I don't think building a mass movement is always the gauge of the success of a tactic. If that was the case, indigenous blockades would not be happening because we'd have to wait for every single Canadian to denounce Canadian patriotism and Canadian nationalism. Direct action happens because there is a need for it. Direct action happens because people are fighting back, and we're not waiting for millions of people to stand beside us for the revolution to happen. <laughs> In terms of um, two more points, I'm really sorry. Two more points. In terms of the media and law enforcement, this is probably a really obvious point, but we cannot let them mediate our debates. This should be really obvious, but the media and law enforcement cannot cannot dictate the terms of our debates. And most of what I have seen is this idea that we have been denounced in the media, and therefore we have lost our credibility because of the media. As far as I'm concerned, the media was never on our side. The media is not the gauge of the success of our, our protests, and the corporate media and the police should not be let off the hook by us replicating their smears, by us replicating their denunciations. Instead, we should be very, very clear, and we should have some more nuance than denouncing our comrades as violent. And the fact that, the fact that 
that the media is not picking up on why there is property destruction against the Hudson's Bay Company is not the fault of the black bloc. Let's be clear. Okay, the media has not picked up for seven years on why people are protesting the Olympics. So let's, you know, before we're going to start denouncing our comrades, let's be clear about who our allies are and who our enemies are. Um, in terms of the fact that the black bloc um, reinforces and legitimizes the police state, the resistance will legitimize the police state. And if that argument is going to be used, then we may as well never be on the streets. Um, you know, so to me, that's, that kind of argument is a false one because this police state justifies itself. We cannot hold our allies accountable for the increased police brutality and the increased visits from Vaisu we may get. Final point, solidarity does not equal censorship, folks. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I don't think that anyone who engages in black bloc tactics or supports them is asking for our allies to censor themselves. What I am asking for is for people to not have Facebook comments like silly black bloc or fuck the police and fuck diversity of tactics. We can emphasize communication between our allies. And as far as I know, I have never seen comments, I'm using Facebook, Facebook as a gauge because that's my only gauge as of this morning about these debates. I have never seen comments coming from any other allies, including radical allies, denouncing other people's rallies. I have never seen people denounce, you know, why Sven Robinson or Libby Davies or, you know, Jenny Kwan speaking at rallies. That's never happened, and I've never seen it on Facebook. So if we're going to talk about some kind of equality of how we want to treat each other with respect, then let's do that. Let's not denounce people publicly. Let's not denounce people in vague generalizations. Let's have a commitment to dialogue, and let's have a commitment to doing so um, in person. So this idea that somehow... Um, the black bloc are the ones running around denouncing people. I haven't seen that in my experience in Vancouver in seven years, but I have this week seen it go the other way around. Um, I think I want to end. I unfortunately don't have permission to read this poem, but I hope if Cynthia sees this on TV or otherwise um, is out there, she won't mind because it's this is um, there's nothing more that I can say. And this is from a, a good friend um, and a dear sister who wrote a poem, and I'll only read... Yay! She's right here! In honor of anti-Olympic comrades of the heart attack action on Feb 13th. These are excerpts. We are real. These arms, they do break. These throats, they do get parched. These legs, they do crumble. These hearts, they do beat. We do laugh, we do love, we do bleed. We are afraid, we are brave. We do press on and are born every morning thankful for the sun. We will not forget nor abandon ourselves in the face of riot gear, fortified condos, and the ambitions of the rich, those who would rather be assets than members of a people. We are more than collateral. We will not build a pyre for our sisters and brothers to burn. We will not glorify our own ashes. We will plant trees and build homes and tell our stories. We are here and we are not going anywhere. Thank you. Thanks, Harsha. Okay, at, at, 